Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Don't confess so, to any crime. I go, I go back, I go back all the way to Doctor Blood's coffin. I mean, I've, I've mm. been following, I've been following your career for years and years and years, and and I and I remember the, the impact that the Ipcrest file yeah. had on me, and obviously on everybody else, and created a whole subgenre. Uh, and also, it was during the period when you were doing something really offbeat and interesting with the widescreen uh, that you per, you you did also in the Appaloosa. Well, you know what? But here's what's interesting. Why that style developed is we did not have a script on Ipcris file. In other words, the script we started with was terrible. And so we started again, but there was no time. We had to go. Sets were at Pinewood. We other than that, we didn't shoot in the studio, but that one set was there and we had a meeting. And Harry Saltzman, how can I put it, is one of the most uh, unusual characters you would ever meet in the business. And it was very difficult. So we would have meetings after shooting, then the guys would work all night and we would wait for pages in the morning. So I said, I got to do something with this. So I started sipping scotch all day. It's a result of scotch. And it was cold and it was good to have some scotch. And things would happen. I'd come in the morning, I'd say to Otto Heller, see that staircase when we're in a real house? Take two hours to light it. We don't have pages. So it it was out of just crazy desperation not fearing anything because I was nowhere there really and far away in London and dark and horrible weather. So that just came out of trying to do something. I hadn't studied anything. I couldn't tell you one guy who used cameras that way or used a camera. I think we had one camera. And um, so it it, it was a great experience. But you know what? Here's the awful part. You try to do it for the rest of your career and it doesn't work. It only <laughs> works once. You can't get by with feelings and oh, let's try this. And well, my theory is always that that now you know what you're doing. And once you start thinking about it, it's it's you're in trouble. Yeah. You're then in you're then I I we know that. We all everybody knows <laughs> you, and there's a certain amount of luck. That it just happens at that time. You're in the right place with everything. And uh, well, let, me, let me let me let me introduce our our guest, and then do something we're not supposed to do at all. But um, we're we're really really excited to have uh, the legendary director Sidney Fury with us. Um, and uh, we 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 try not to talk too much Sydney about our guest work, but. Uh, unfortunately, for a couple of reasons, we're going to have to spend a few more minutes on the Ipcris file, and I'll, I'll explain. But um, when I first spoke to Sydney uh, a few weeks back, uh, we got on the phone to talk about doing the show. And do you remember this? And my doorbell rang while we were talking. Yes. yes. And I got a box, and the box was uh, the Harry Palmer Blu-ray collection, an import set from Australia that I'd ordered. And uh, including, of course, Sydney's own Ipcress file, literally while we were on the phone. And, um, you know, I've, I've 
very much. I've been a fan of that film for a long time, but it's been a long time since I'd seen it. And it was hard to get a hold of for a while in a decent print or decent copy. And so I got these Australian ones and we actually, my wife, Nancy and I sat down, she'd never seen it. And we watched if crest file last night. Wow. And I, it, I was struck so much and I realized I've never seen it on a big screen and my home setup now is as close to a big screen as you can get. I'd never seen it before on a big screen. And yeah, what you and Joe were talking about, I want to get into a little bit more because it is an astonishing looking film. Um, And by the way, these are great prints uh, on these Blu-rays and you can get them through moviesunlimited.com, our sponsor. But um, uh, I really, I sat there and I was like, it had never really clicked with me before. I, I thought this guy must've gorged himself on like French new wave cinema. And you're sitting here going, no, no, no. I was just drinking a lot of scotch. No, no, no. But the truth is I was, and still I am very illiterate, very illiterate about what's going on in film around the world. I'm not one of those people who follows it. I'm just under my own pressure. and what. So I never had seen anything. I'd never seen that style, certainly. And it was just out of my gut. And, but the worst part is your gut is useless because it never happened again. I copied myself on a few movies like Appaloosa, but it didn't work that way. It only no, I, thought, I thought the Appaloosa was pretty good. I think the three that you did, the Appaloosa and the Naked Runner and the Press File, have oh a specific God, no, style. Oh, my God, you know too much. You know. Well, they have a specific Naked style to them. And I, and, I, and I was a little disappointed after the Naked Runner that you, that you uh, sort of dropped that style. Yeah, and, well, the critics and, made me, right? They made me <laughs> All they did is talked about the style. Well, it didn't matter if the movie was a success, but if the movie wasn't a success, you're dead. Anyway, I've been dead always and come back to life. You know, (laughs) I mean, I'm still, uh, still trying to make. Well, you still made classics. You made Ladies Sings the Blues. You made The Entity. I'm a huge fan of Boys and Company C. I mean, which was, which also Stanley Kubrick was a big fan of. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, the story there, oh, there's a good story there, which, which is not good for Kubrick. I knew, I knew him. I knew him. I was once visiting uh, MGM Borum Wood when they were shooting 2001, and I got introduced. He said, come for dinner. That's what he does. Then you go to dinner, and he had all his people, and uh, uh, very nice person. Anyway. Full Metal Jacket is shot. I get a phone call from New York. Lee Ermey just came to do his press tour. He said, Sydney, you're not going to like this. Stanley told me, don't ever mention Boys and Company C or that you've ever done another movie. I'm the discoverer of you. Coming oh, no. Stanley, do you believe that? Oh, no. Does anyone in the world believe he cared that much? I mean, I thought it was sad. One of the great filmmakers of the world has to also be known for uh, uh, discovering Lee Ermey. Wow. What is so, you, you can see why he'd want to be, though. <laughs> but here's the here's, yeah. there's a, a joke on that. Years later, like three years ago, or right before he died, I did a public service commercial for uh, somebody, a government thing. And Lee Ermey was in it. Oh, wow. And we had dinner the night before, and I talked about, Lee, you were a drunk, which he acknowledged, in the Philippines living off some pension. And then all this happened because of my film and Stanley's. He said, oh, nothing to do with you guys. Nothing. I would have made it no matter what. Interesting about people. Anyway, uh, he was, over he to was you guys. Amazing, but yeah, that that's a wonderful film too. Also available. When, when can we talk about yes. the pictures that made me? Oh well, yeah, no, sure. Well, that's, what, that's what we generally do, except when <laughs> yeah. we're starstruck. So uh, yes, forgive me. I, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I couldn't do ten. I did twenty or twenty-two because. 
and it took days. I've really been working on this. Oh, no. I didn't return an email. Here's <laughs> the first email. You said you need a list. I just got off and started the list because I knew it would cross things out and, and whatnot. But here's the cliche. I'm sorry. The trouble with this list is I've seen all these pictures in the last year locked up in the pandemic because I'm 88 years old, about to be 89. I didn't dare go anywhere. <laughs> so they're not pictures like the apartment that was always on my list isn't. Because when I saw it during the pandemic, I said, no, no, this is too forced. This is this doesn't work. The thing oh, wow, really? was the movies I saw during the pandemic had to work for today, allowing mm. 10% for corniness of another era. We'll have our corniness in this era too, right? No question. And it's unbelievable what stood up. Now, last night, while you were watching, Ipcris, I was watching, because it came up on Amazon, I said, I can't bear to see this picture again. But I wonder who's distributing it now. I wonder who picked it up. So I started and up comes Miramax. What the hell are they doing with the best years of our lives? Really? I saw that last night. And I said, look, I'm going to have to sit through a lot of things. But at the end, at the wedding, when they look at each other, Dana Andrews and Teresa, what's her last name? Right. Whatever. Teresa something. Teresa Wright. Yes, Teresa Wright. I got to get that purge in me. And it worked 100%. Mm. So mm. that's, it's, I don't have a one, two, three, four, right? I don't rate them. I just, no, no, no. We don't expect No, you we don't do that. Well, 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 that picture came in uh, 1947. I was in high school. And I already knew I wanted to be a director. But that just showed me what a movie can be in terms of everything, in terms of shooting, in terms of acting, just writing, everything. It was... And there I saw it last night and said that inspired me to go into movies. But there were a few others a year or two after that, that absolutely I had to go. And I've seen this one three times during the pandemic, 12 o'clock high, 12 o'clock high today. You don't have to make one excuse for it. Not one. It is perfect movie with incredible dialogue. It's just Gregory Peck, incredible. From a director, I then went into what a career he had. And we never talk about Henry King. When was the last time you talked about Henry King? No, the, 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 Henrys, the Henrys do get short shrift. And also, they get mixed up between Henry King and Henry Hathaway. <laughs> so people really yeah. don't know the difference. And they both work for Fox. So well, he was a Fox guy. So he did what they gave him, right? Yeah. But 12 o'clock high is just a perfect movie. Now here's my problem with today. And the third movie, because there's three in that group coming at a certain time, was Place in the Sun. So 12 mm. o'clock high, Place in the Sun, best years of our lives. That's what I wanted out of a movie. And that's what they don't make today. Sad. They don't make narrative films that way. I mean, the audience has changed. It's not necessarily worse. It's not better. It's just different. It's a different era right yeah i mean it, um i'm thinking, so you saw all these I, i'm guessing it, when they came out correct when they came out i'm that old yeah, so so yeah there's there's just that impact i mean i have i kind of have that feeling about movies about the 70s it's uh, yeah, i've sure. learned to live with the fact but i have plenty on that list <laughs> i mean i'm a i'm a fan of uh the directors Joe knows well because Sidney Pollock has three pictures on my list. Whoa. And Out of Africa is <clears throat> right up there. To me, it's a David Lean picture for me. It inspired me to keep going. 
and uh, and Bogdanovich uh, has a picture on there, last picture show, which I just recently saw last week. All all these guys and Woody, Annie Hall, Annie Hall works for me perfectly right now today. Yeah, yeah. Now that that still holds up beautifully, uh, I think. But um, the picture that taught me filmmaking. See, I went to Carnegie Tech Drama School. We didn't have television. We didn't have film. It was theater. And uh, I went for the purposes. I want to understand playwriting and acting. I don't need to be taught about lenses and stuff because I'm not technical. I'll pick that up on the first movie. So what taught me about making of movies and the whole industry is the bad and the beautiful. And if someone watches that movie today, once again, by 12 o'clock high, crisp dialogue, fabulous acting, just a great narrative flow. Anyway. Well, they all have that artifice too from that era that um, uh, I feel like there was, there was not that effort to try to capture some sort of hyper realism. So you could, you could get these kind of big over the top performances and these amazing melodrama, you know, melodramas uh, in a way that you just kind of can't anymore unless it's campy or ironic. Or yeah. Something. yeah. Well, the, the picture recently, I wouldn't put it on my 10 best list, but it was on my, when, uh, what was it once again in Hollywood? Or... Oh, once uh, upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. Well, that year, that was my number one movie. It's It had a narrative flow and it had a, a story and character. And, uh, you know, you didn't have to, you didn't have to be artsy fartsy to like it. You didn't have to excuse any part of it. It, it, it got you that relationship with the two guys uh, I thought was, was great. So funny. I don't think, have I, have I copped this to this to you, Joe? I, I was underwhelmed when I saw it uh, over the weekend yeah. and a couple months went by and it popped up on something. Maybe it may have been, maybe in the Academy screening channel, maybe when it first hit the internet, I'm not sure, but, um, and uh, my wife was out and I just wanted to sit back and let, you know, a fun movie wash over me. And I just had this bizarre compulsion. This never happens to watch once upon a time in Hollywood again. And and I loved it. <laughs> I just loved it. Yeah, I, I well, don't you, know why why it didn't grab me the first time. There was, uh, I remember the first time just thinking half this movie is Brad Pitt driving to Carpinteria or wherever he's going. And the second time I saw it, he could not. That scene went on too short. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you see, that's the great thing of movies. It's also a tough part of movies for people who write them and make them and act in them is it comes out at the wrong time, the wrong week, the critics or the lead critic. Because here's what I found out about critics. They wait to see who the, what the lead guys, the guys they respect, think, oh, yeah. unfortunately. It's true. And then they get in that mood. Because I've had critics tell me, I really like the movie. But Pauline didn't like it. And this um, one didn't like it. And I wasn't going to be an odd man out. That's why I think it's honest and great to say it washed over me the first time or I got in 10 minutes. There's one this year that I saw on the Academy site, Tender Bar, turned it off after 10 minutes. But I know what the problem is. I wear hearing aids and it didn't have subtitles. So I waited. On Amazon, I saw it with subtitles. I love that movie this well, year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it helps to be able to hear what they're saying. <laughs> you know, but this is, we're at the whims. Of, it, it's like we run a resort hotel, and if the weather's no good, the guests kill us. If the weather's good, we can do no wrong, right? I mean, really tough. You work for two, three years, whatever, and then your movie comes out. And it just gets that wrong push. And yeah. I mean, we all have had movies that had the best previews ever, 
and then they open and it's a different movie. So, yeah, that's true. And it also depends on, you know, it, it, or I, I don't think this is true anymore because of COVID, but uh, it, it used to be your, your movie had to make or was make or break by Friday night. Yes. They could tell right. usually by lunchtime. That's right. Whether it was oh, be a hit, I got a better how much they were going to advertise it. I got a better one. I had the joy of going with Coppola's father, Carmine, oh. or Godfather Two. I guess he did the music, right? Because uh, Nino Rota did the first one. We were in New York, and we went to a nine thirty screening at the Low State. And after that screening, they put out their what the grossness would be for the weekend from the first screening because they had data. You know, whatever you do, the first screening at low state, that's mm -hmm. what you'll do. That's amazing. That had to be a happy night. It was morning. A more, oh, morning. Oh, okay. okay. morning. 9.30 in the morning. It's, it's the matinee show. And that and it's it was only at the <laughs> end of the matinee show that they would decide whether the picture was going to make money. So crazy. That's so crazy. And then that you movie played what? for like a year, right? It you know what's amazing? Joe and I are two old warriors. I'm older. And uh, Josh, you've had an incredible career because writing, I'm not going to do my writer's thing. I studied writing. I wanted to be a writer, mm. but I knew to complete it, I had to direct it. <sighs> And, and I do understand the difference. There is there is something great directors can do in working with a screenwriter, and oh, and vice versa, and everything. Oh, yeah. So, but this is one hell of a tough business today for the young people and people still active like you, Josh. Jesus, it's it's a nightmare. I, it's it's always been tough though, hasn't it? But you're so right. I said that. It's always been tough at each stage of it. It's been tough. Always. It's never, never, ever easy. But my God, when you I also think it's not so much the making of, the, of a movie and having a career. Those of us who do it love movies. And the joy of loving movies and appreciating them. And I always say the best critics are the people who make them. They are so generous, generous when they look at a movie. And, and you'd think they'd be jealous. It's not jealous. The reason it's not jealousy is because you're always struggling. What am I doing in this fucking business? It's so tough. When you see a good movie, you feel proud that that's what you do, that that's what you're in. A good movie. When I saw La La Land, oh my God. And I, I think I saw it 10 times in a week. Wow. Especially that year and what was around, all the depressing stuff. But that's okay. I'm for some depressing stuff. I'm not against it. But La La Land, just lifted me. It's what happened when I saw an American in Paris and singing in the rain in its wow. day. Because yes. I saw all those movies as a current Friday night movie. But La La Land did that. So the point is, we're not jealous of each other. We hate things that shouldn't be there, that are over, over rewarded. Yes, no question about it. But things that work, oh my God, we're the biggest fans. Yeah, it's 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 so gratifying to see something just sort of take off, and um, uh, and it gives you. I mean, to me at least, it always it's always nice to see something and give you something to aspire to as well. You know, that's what it is. Yeah. You want something to aspire to. So today, here's the, here it is, guys. If you don't aspire to a hero movie. You're wiping out all, almost all theatrical. I think in the end, there'll only be those movies in theaters. Because, oh, superheroes. I mean, yeah. yeah. Because what's happened in the pandemic, the screens got bigger, the sound got better, 
and you stay home, you don't have to find parking. You can go out on a rainy night, a snowy night, a miserable night. You're at home. We got used to seeing not only one movie at night, but two or three. Or starting in the afternoon on a weekend. Right. Joe, Joe, what do you think of uh, of what's happened? Well, I used to do that in theaters. I used to I used to yeah. go to I used to go to more than one a double feature a day. Yeah. <laughs> I miss double features. Uh, but I think what's really changed is the um the appetite for going out. Yeah. Uh, has obviously for for obvious reasons been somewhat dimmed and uh it, the interesting exception was the spider-man movie which apparently everybody who wanted to see it felt that they really did want to go out and see it and so it's one of the only movies this year that made a lot of money and almost all the movies that are like the front runners for the oscars and all that kind of stuff all tanked uh, yeah. because people didn't want to take the chance of going out to a movie theater and and I can understand that, but the but the long term implications, I think, are people are creatures of habit, and and particularly young people are creatures of habit, and young people are the backbone of the reason there's a theatrical film business because they want to get away from their parents, and it's a it's a communal thing. They want to be with their friends, and they haven't been able to do that, and now it's going to be going on two seasons in a row of people not being able to do that and not being able to congregate with their friends at the movies. And my worry is that it just isn't going to be part of the ritual anymore that it was when we were growing up. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know if you can get that back. But you see, the movies, here, here's my thing with it, with it. When I see a comedy, I don't want to see it in a theater because there are idiots that laugh in anything. I know what's funny. I don't have to laugh out loud. I can smile. When I have seen during the pandemic one sort of rom-com at least 20, 30 times, and that's the one, I never know the title, you guys will. It's with Jack Nicholson and um, uh, Keaton and uh, as good as it gets. Nancy Myers, yes. Holy macro. Wow, wow. How does that work? Oh, I no, mean, that's, wait, you mean something's got to give. Yes, yes. With, uh, with Keanu with Reeves. Keanu, Keanu Reeves in yes. a perfect movie. Okay. But it's, I, I just, you know, I think because I think they'll always be going out to movies and it'll be a younger group. And once there's no pandemic, uh, I think an older group will go back to art houses, I think. But if there aren't any left. Yeah. yeah. But boy, if you can get these movies, you see the ones that are suffering now is with all the things available at all the streaming things, they're not bringing in an art house channel or part of Netflix, the art house or Amazon. So all those incredible movies you see on the Academy site, you're never going to go to a theater to see many of them. You're just not. They're not going to be in the theater or they're there for one week or two weeks. I mean, right. why isn't streaming realized? There's a lot of people out there who want to see those movies. They're, they're fixated on the young people also. Fixated. Boy, they, they want maximum eyes on screen. On, and that's it. And they say, oh, we had four million hours for this movie. Well, how about one where I had a million, a few for everybody. They've got plenty of space. I noticed on Netflix, I got Netflix five years ago. Half the movies were there four or five years ago. Mm. You see the same movies and you're happy to receive them. You know? A lot of, I mean, they are actually making a lot of sort of mid and lower budget films. It's just they're harder to find and hear about, which is the the annoying yes. thing. And on Netflix, that doesn't doesn't really uh, specialize in those kind of movies. In yeah. fact, there are but who a, a very small percentage of movies on but Netflix were made before nineteen seventy. Hulu Hulu used to do it, but because Hulu is owned by Disney, they just want a buck. Go see what's on Hulu. 
the few little movies they did two, three years ago are still there, but they haven't been joined by others. I've been home a lot. I I subscribe to every one of these. And you have the Criterion you, Channel. What? You have the Criterion Channel? No. Uh, that's, no. that's that's there's a lot of really good I, stuff. A, I, I, does it come on on a big screen? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Criterion yeah, it's collection. Definitely, it's 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 and the, and the prints are incredible. I mean, they gorgeous. Look, they look terrific. Yeah. This seems to be like a perfect place to take a quick break and point out there's another option. There's physical media. And to thank our great sponsors, Movies Unlimited. Perfect sponsor for us because it's a movie collector's website. They're not only huge fans of our show, but they also feature many of the movies we talk about here. And so you can easily find them and add to your collection. I mean, you can stream a lot of stuff these days, sure. But when you buy your favorites, you watch what you want and when you want it. And there's always a ton of great content and bonus features like director commentaries, deleted scenes, and all sorts of stuff like that that keep us awake. Buy your favorites at MoviesUnlimited.com. You'll find classics, imports, hard-to-find films, and of course, new releases too. The prices are great and the choices are endless. Own the titles you love and enjoy all the bonus features you just don't get elsewhere at any time you want in your own home. Click the Movies Unlimited banner on our website and buy your favorites from hard-to-find films, imports, and more. Go now to MoviesUnlimited.com, the movie collector's website, where shipping is always free on orders over $50. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— we answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Citizen Kane is number one if you've seen it recently because it's, it just gets better and better and better. Best years of our lives, 12 o'clock high, place in the sun. And then two, I was together, like a double feature, Lawrence of Arabia and Bridge on the River Kwai. That's a long double feature. <laughs> that's a double feature. <laughs> yeah, it's a good double feature. And then- Did you course, watch them during the, uh, you watched them both during the pandemic? Pardon? You watched them again both during, during the pandemic? Oh, I've seen everything- the one I left off, I had a different director, but I'd have put Guns and Navarone in there too. I've seen them all recently. Here's one though, Double Indemnity. When was uh, the last time you saw it? Uh, I saw it last year. Yeah, I, think, I think I did too, yep. Billy Wilder. Yeah, it's such a great film. Um, and here's one that's undoubtedly, it, you only have to see it to know it's one of the greats and will be, incidentally, I'm a huge Sidney Pollock fan. Huge. And Tootsie. Tootsie uh, is one of the greats. Tootsie is so interesting because I, I remember being just knocked out by it when I first saw it. And it's somehow, at least in my mind, it always, uh, what's the line from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? It fades in contemplation. As time goes on, it just turns into this sort of trifling little comedy. And then every few years, I'll watch it again, and you go, oh, my God, this is... The minute you go in, he is so incredible. Yeah. He is so incredible. You, you a Tootsie fan, Joe? Oh, yeah. Tootsie. Yeah. Okay. I, was, I, was, I was there for the... I saw the, the fight between uh, Sydney and uh, Dustin that you know, Warner Brothers they had. Oh, you were around. Oh, you just sitting on that? They, they, had an, on. they had an argument in the park. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that was uh, quite epic. I'm I'm sorry I never I met Sidney Pollock once. There was a meeting. I don't even remember what it was for. 
It was Sidney Pollock, Mark Riddell, Sam Peckinpah, and Sidney Fury. I have no idea why we were called together. I can't remember. Was it a Directors Guild thing? No. No, it was at a restaurant. Somebody wanted to do something, and I have no idea what it was. And that's the only time I met Sidney Pollock. I love him as an actor. Jesus yeah, Christ. He's a great actor. Oh, he's a great actor. He yeah. should have been a leading man. When he's in a movie playing the smallest part, you go with that guy. He has reality. He's real. He's. He, I, has, I, he, has, he has the best scene in Death Becomes Her. He's the, uh, the doctor who's examining uh, Meryl Streep, who is, yeah. uh, who is discombobulated by special effects. And uh, he, he is, he's so real. I mean, he's not, so he's, real. Not, he's not like an actor. He's like a and real He was person. a good looking man, good looking, mature man, not a boy and terrific. So how many I movies have, did he play doctors in? I wonder. Oh, no, he's very, very frequently played oh, doctors boy. And, and, and he's he great in, he's great in eyes wide shut. I mean, that's oh, you know. incredible. Well, which I've seen many times. Don't know why. But I can't turn it off if I start. Well, that's off. the whole thing with Cooper. You don't know. I think part of it, you can't turn it off. How many <laughs> years? You guys are not. I keep hoping that someone will will pass their love for it on to me because I I finally gave up. Um, of what? <clears throat> of eyes wide shut. Well, it, it's not love. It's it's not. I don't I think it's. Well, even God, no, I'm saying I'm hoping I'll find someone. There's an example where the publicity on the making of it killed killed the, any acknowledgement of that as a good movie. People just. Had to put Kubrick down. It's time to be whipped and slapped. Well, that's and like kicking a dead guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, it wasn't even by the time it came out in America, it was like yeah. it, it was all covered over with CGI figures. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's really not fair. Yeah, but it's now uh, the other. Uh, there's two movies that David Lane did. He was co-credited on one. But when you know who the other credit was, you know who directed it. I'll mention it in a minute. But before Brief Encounter holds up today, mm. oh, Brief Encounter with all the ripoffs of that movie that have been made in situations, it just grabs you to unattractive people. <laughs> Never has there been a less attractive then Celia Johnson, and I'm in love with her. I'm in love with that image of Celia Johnson. Where are you, Celia? I mean, incredible, that movie, and it's a short movie. And here's the other one. There was a British naval film, which I, I saw during World War II. Uh, I you know, was current, and it played in Canada, where I'm from, as a first-run feature called In Which We Serve. Noel Coward, he got co-credit to direct. He's not a director. David Lean directed mm. that movie. It's the most honest war movie. I, I don't know it. No, it's really worth it. And it also goes into the list, pictures you wish other people knew about. It's called In Which We Serve. It's on Amazon. And you will love it. That ship, the Compass Rose, it's a story of a ship and its crew. I have chills talking about that movie it just works it has everything in it and uh, john mills was in it and his daughter um, was a baby in it but we knew british pictures in canada during sure. the 40s but that one is a classic i think it won the british academy award that year but so those wow yeah I, I don't know it at all no yeah you gotta you gotta put that one in your uh in your list yep now where is it where is it having just watched again i think my favorite i mean i don't i don't know it's more of an anti-war film than a war film but uh my favorite uh paths, of, Glo paths of glory does it hold up oh yeah uh, well paths of glory look paths of glory you know you don't have to you don't have to say you're a Kubrick fan because if you're in this business and you're not, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> so I saw that picture. First of all, I saw his first picture, Fear and Desire, I think it was called. Mm -hmm. And then there was The Killing. Yeah. Which, with a guy I love, Sterling Hayden. 
Yeah. Jesus, I hated when he got shot in the Godfather because I like him as an actor. <laughs> like, wow, wow, wow. But um, Pads of Glory, it was, I've seen it in the last six months. And um, it's hard to take because of it. It's an allegorical thing, but the uh, craftsmanship of yeah. it was was incredible. Yeah. Oh, it's it's such a powerful film too. It just every time it hits me, I'm just like imagine imagine trying to make a movie like this, except it's about the American army instead of the French army forty years ago. <laughs> but yeah, but. But it also had one of the great character actors ever in Hollywood, Timothy Carey. Oh, yes. Yeah, right, right. Oh, incidentally, it doesn't fit into anything. I want to tell you guys and the listeners a story. So because I went to a theater school, I knew, I knew movies because I saw movies, right? So two things were my film school. One was The Bad and the Beautiful which I've seen over 100 times. Wow. So I get out of college. I come back to Toronto. I go to CBC, the only employer. They had TV then. And they said, look, you went to this stage. You went to a good school. I haven't got a job for you, really. But uh, something you might be interested in. We have in the afternoon... um, CBLT was the station. We have a matinee theater and we run a movie, but we don't run a Hollywood product. We're going to get these independent Hollywood features. We've been offered 200. We want 50. Your job will be to see 200 features and pick 50. So I go into the tiniest screening room. There were 16 mil prints. And I get introduced to the producer, Robert L. Lippert. Anyone here ever oh, heard yeah. of him? He used to be an exhibitor. And uh, yes. he became quite... Uh, he was regal, regal pictures for years. So who starred in his movies? Neville Brand, people like that. They had no studio work. So you saw night scenes, you saw the arc just hidden behind. Oh, that's how they like that. I learned so much watching 200 movies and being paid $52 a week to do it. So that was one of the great- How long, how much, how long did you have to watch all of these? How many weeks or months? A month, no, no, I was seeing three, four a day. So figure it out, but- Watching Independence, they weren't slick like a Hollywood movie. So, you know, it, it was like a uh, Sundance picture today, in it, except the, the stories were different, of course. Always cops. Uh, and Westerns. And, pardon? And Westerns. Did yeah. A lot, of, did a lot of Westerns. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't pick any of the Westerns, but all the Hollywood pictures that were done on the streets like on sunset or here or there always the la river i don't know if they had paved it then i don't Mm -hmm. remember but it was like so those were movies that affected me that made me sure yeah uh, and ida lapino directed many of them and she was a great director Mm -hmm. great great and great actress yeah Okay. Yeah, we, um, we, uh... Okay. Here's one that pops out on my list. It's a perfect movie. It was made, what, 30, 40 years ago? It's called Paper Moon. Oh. If you watch Paper Moon today, it works 100%. It is so it really good. Yeah. And, and it's funny when Peter died last week, I only met him once and then. He wouldn't even say hello. He was introduced to me. He was so competitive. I was a paramount when he was, right? But I was nobody. And uh, but he he uh, he made some fantastic movies. The rest yeah. doesn't matter. Doesn't matter now. They're there. I mean, that that performance. I watched it again recently, and it just what really knocked me out. And I think it's probably the first time I'd seen it since. I mean, for a very long time, so they'd worked right. in the business so that 
you know, I was kind of aware now of how you get performances out of child actors by cutting a lot and, you know, doing all these sort of tricks. Okay. And Whatever he, scenes where he just points the camera at Tatum and lets her go. And she's well, that, just you know, there, there, there have been people who worked on the picture who have said that uh, Polly Platt actually had a great deal to do with really Tatum's with her performance. performance. Yeah. That makes sense. Sure. Sure. It's uh, she had a great deal to do with a lot of those films. Um, but, but I don't know anything about that, but I do know that Ryan was great. Every supporting yeah. actor was great. That guy with the big smile and the big teeth, whatever his name was. It's just amazing. These things stand up and there's a comedy, simple, human, innovative, incredible. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very great film. I'm, I'm also a huge fan of what's up doc. Um, that is oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie. That was good. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Absolutely hilarious. Film. Excellent. Yeah. Here's a, I got another Sidney Pollock. I know it's kitsch, but boy, if there was ever a better movie of its kind than the way we were. You probably yeah, okay. for a long time. Now I'll, I'll confess. Uh, I saw it. I was taken to that as a child. Um, obviously not ready for that. That was not the kind of movie that as a child I would choose to see. I have not seen it since. People keep saying nice things about it, and they keep making me think I need to go back. I mean, are you, uh, Joe? Are you a? Well, I, I was. I'm. 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 I can't watch the movie without um, trying to imagine what it was before they took the politics out of it, mm. uh, because there was a lot of. Uh, oh, there was still the a lot of politics. There was still a lot of politics, and perhaps maybe there was too much because the, yeah. after the preview, they were it was, very adamant it, about having it not yeah. be so political, um, but. Um, but I but thought it, the picture should have ended when with the scene on the boat with him and Bradford Dolman, yeah. uh, where the camera cranes up. And I thought, well, that's the movie's over. But then it turned out the movie wasn't over. Hmm. Well, it was a good movie to sort of be jealous of when it came out because of what it is. But it's when you see it now, I see a lot of movies. I'll watch things with my wife now that we don't go out at theaters and stuff. And about 11.30, I'll put on a movie myself. What a great 11.30 movie. Way we were with that score. One of the great scores ever, ever. And I won't hum it, but a great, <laughs> great score. And it just worked. And, you know, and Redford was, I once worked with Redford, so... He, it's the same stock things, you know, his laugh. It's the same in everything. But he's a movie star. Where are the movie stars? It's about movie stars. You see anything with Cary Grant. Wow. wow. Didn't, you don't they, think that... Uh, Chinola. You don't think like Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood kind of, kind of stood out, though, don't you, as a... As a movie star? I, I think Brad Pitt's a movie star. I'm a fan. You yeah. know, thank God. Thank God. I feel I'm very normal for this business. And when I met my wife, we've been married 53 years. She said, I never wanted to date anyone in show business. You're not like show business. And it's true. I'm watching movies. I am an audience. And that's all I ask. That's all I ask, that it works for what it is. I'm not a snob. I can watch all kinds of movies if they have a beginning, a middle, and especially an end. I want an end. Yeah, I don't want it open. <laughs> Incidentally, this year, there was a great movie, movie, guys. Have you seen House of Gucci? Uh, I yes, I have. All right. I'm, I'm, I, I don't share your affection for it, Sydney. <laughs> you know what it is? It's when you see it, we're going back to that. If you give yourself a treat, you want to watch something and there's nothing to watch, watch it because it's, and everything doesn't have to please everybody. We know that that's for sure. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I don't know. It just did. It did not click for me. I'm. Uh, I, I was, you, you didn't uh, think Lady Gaga was incredible? I, I 
you know what it is? It's, it's unless it's a really, really knockout performance. If, if the film itself isn't working for me, it's hard for me to. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Well, yeah. listen, we, we all have those. I'm not going to admit which ones I hate it, but sometimes when you see it another time under mm-hmm. different circumstances, when I saw that, I was starved for a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. Just for, a, a, as Judith Christ, you not remember who she was at all? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. That, free, yeah. free Pauline Kale. Well, she called them movie <laughs> movies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the title of uh, that kind of wonderful, I hope wonderful. I haven't seen it since it came out. But remember Movie Movie, the George C. Scott film? Which is parodies of old Warner Brothers pictures. Yeah, which oh. is like a double feature. Yeah. You yeah. Know, Judith Chris was known for um, uh, being rather okay. presumptuous okay. In, in, in screenings and standing up and putting her hand over the lens if she didn't like the picture before leaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, incidentally, what still works, Sunset Boulevard still works. Oh, yes. What? Yeah. Yes. Very, of course. Yes. And you know he's dead at the beginning, and it yeah. doesn't hurt you. Yeah, I thought Nancy Olson was my dream girl that I was a kid She's when I cute. saw her, and she lived up the street from me. When I got to LA and did for thirty years, she was Mrs. Livingston, right? She was married to the songwriter Livingston. Okay, here's a movie that was made in 2015. It's on my I wish everyone knew this movie. I think it grossed $50,000 in the United States. It is such a movie. It's called The End of the Tour. Yes. Uh, uh, jo- Wallace was his name. Yes, yes. Uh, David Foster. Jason yeah. Seagal plays him yeah. in an Oscar-winning performance, which he wasn't even nominated for. <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg is the reporter from Rolling Stone. That's right. Yeah, David Foster Wallace. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It is a movie of thought, of ideas of this guy. And it's just done. It's almost a two-character piece, and then a few other things come in. It's a delight. The end of the tour is just... I, I saw the director's name. I can't, it's hard to pronounce. I don't know how to pronounce it. Poignant or poignant. Joe, do you know that guy? I, I don't know the movie. Ponset? Ponset? Oh, yeah, no, it's a few years ago. It's um, um, James Ponsold. Oh. Yeah. And yeah, uh, serious, serious cineast. Well, what it was is it was all his dialogue because everything was recorded. So everything he said is what he said. And then I guess they played with it a bit. Mm-hmm. But a wonderful movie that did no gross. Then I saw another one that same day that did not work. It was called Runaway Bride. It was, it was the movie made after Pretty Lady. Pretty That's where they, they tried to put them back together. Yes, Julia Roberts. And it, Richard Gere. It, it did not work, and it grossed in that era. It grossed. 300 million worldwide, 150 here, 154, like 1999. So there you go. The same day I see that last week. And then I saw End of the Tour for about the third time. I mean, I guess there's so many other movies that we've missed. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But no, this has been well, a, there are a lot of movies. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's one of the nice things about streaming is you do have access to. Uh, Pardon? It's one of the nice things about streaming these days, I suppose, is yeah. you have access to tons well, of things. You can pretty much find most things if yeah. you look hard. Enough. And if not, you can go to Movies Unlimited and get it there. That's right, and buy them there. <laughs> yeah, but there are certain movies that you can't get on streaming. Mm-hmm. And the reason is whoever controls those movies probably asked for too much and said, fuck it, I don't need the money. Ipcris file is not available on streaming. Is that true? That's so bizarre. Yeah. That's um, that's fine because the other Harry Palmer movies are. 
I don't, I don't know. I, I think Funeral Berlin is. I've seen that on, on. Uh, and the Ken Russell one is on. Is also available. Yes, for rarefied million dollar <laughs> Yeah, it persists. Some strange people must own it. And well, it uh, used to be universal. And, but for a while, it was hard to get on video too. I mean, this is I yeah, know, but Universal Australia. only had a few years distributing it. It was, yeah. it was um, what happened. It was a deal with Rank, J. Arthur Rank, and Universal. Universal dropped out. Harry started. Harry Saltzman, who you could do a whole show on, started shooting with his own money, with his Bond money, because it came after the first Bond. He said, I'm going to start and see what happens. And uh, an interesting guy. A very. Well, it's such a great film. And yeah, I, I wish it were more easily accessible, but it is in a glorious Australian Blu ray. I, I know that if it was streaming, I would watch it every now and then. I get a kick out of it, you know, because there, there's a when you make a movie, maybe you don't see it as an audience but you sure see it as an adventure you went through. And you know, see that scene? I set the script on fire because Harry Saltzman came to the set and pounded me for these funny angles. Oh, oh, so here's the end of that story. The editor was uh, Peter, uh, the Bond editor. Peter Zinner? No, it was Peter... Uh, I'll think of his name on that. No, it was an English guy. Anyway, he was on vacation. He had finished a bond. And Harry said, I think this is a pile of shit. This is horrible. And when Peter comes back, I'm going to make him see all the dailies. And then we'll decide to fire you. Because in that, there was no director's guild in England. So oh. you couldn't even cut it together. And Peter, I'll get his name in a minute, like it just escapes me. And because uh, we stayed in touch for many years till he passed away. Peter saw enough of it on a Saturday and he called Harry and he said, Harry, you want to fire Fury? You should give him the biggest wet kiss you've ever given a guy. And that was it. I was never in the cutting room. What an experience. He put it together. We had a screening. He said, I think we should take that section, move it to here. Okay. That was it. Uh, that would be Peter I, Hunt. Peter Hunt. Yes. Who ended up directing, I think. Uh, directing he, on he, he also directed. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. He was an incredible editor who spoke his mind. He'd mm -hmm. say, Harry. Because you know, when Harry made... Dr. No, he he thought that was straight. People laughed at stuff in there. To him, that was, you know, anyway. You need people like that. You need Yeah, people. well, it's it's uh, it's a you collaborative need, art form. Right, but you also need real producers. Yeah. I worked with some of the toughest and respected them all because the real ones cared about movies. There you go. They could have been in other businesses and made a lot more money. Yeah. But in their own fucked up way, they love the art of making a movie. And they're all characters, every last one of them. But the great yeah. ones, yes. the great ones didn't take the picture away and have someone else cut them. Yeah. That yeah. is inexcusable. You yeah. can't do that. Well, Sydney, um, Man, thank you so much uh, for coming on. This was this was such Taking a delight. time away from watching streaming. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I think we've just about run out of stuff, right? Uh, but is it still? I got. I got to say, one of my favorite things about doing this is that I, I get to live in a world where I literally can watch Ipcrest file on you know Monday night and on Tuesday afternoon. I'm talking to the guy who made it. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, with Joe for God's sake. And uh, and and Sydney, you've been you remained pretty active i, I i'm very impressed. well i made a small movie uh finished it during the pandemic went out raised a few bucks we made it it I was like set in israel and we shot the actors here in the backgrounds there it was it was such a great experience to work 
in a crazy way with all green screen. And uh, there was no place for it. It didn't matter. But I, I, I'm the next movie I make, if all is well, will have a crew of about two. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know. And uh, well, you guys know Daniel, do you? Daniel Kramer. Oh, sure, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's well, one of our commentaries on. That's how he makes pictures. They yeah. make pictures for, you know, the cost of the film. Except film doesn't cost anything. Like film, yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, it was well, fantastic. It was, well, thanks, it, Cindy. I, I I wish we could see you, but then the audience can't see you either. So we're yeah, all they can't see yeah. Age, so they don't care. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I've been performing here, and I have no picture. It's good. I like to be behind it. But it, you know what? This is a good way to do it because I'm seeing your reactions. Yeah. That's yeah. yes. We're in front of your camera. Yeah. It's like you got your own. <laughs> yeah, it's where I belong, right behind the camera. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Stay safe out there, folks. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.